Hey, it's Bobby. And this is Jared. And we are here um, on the podcast, here, um, Frankincense Podcast. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, it just feels like we can't, you know, we try to do one, we try to do one episode where it was like, hey, let's, let's not talk about racism. Let's not talk about anything like that. We'll just be able to focus on yeah. jumping about the church and how can, and then all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> You know, um, I know. We got a little introspective last week, but now we got to look outward again. Yeah. Um, you know, at the bigger, the bigger culture around us. You know, yeah, the culture that the church should be living beside, but not be a part of. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's um, you know, the the reality of this whole situation right now with the George Floyd murder and. Um, you know, everybody's talking about it. Yes. And I'm sure there's some people like, Oh, you know, here we go talking about these things again. But you know what? Um, the reality of it is, is that until they stop, we have to keep talking about it until they stop. We have to keep talking. And it's, it's a sad situation. It's not fair. It's not something we should even have to worry about really. But, um, when you see the things that are posted on social media by, People who claim Jesus, and I'm not saying that they don't know Jesus. I'm not saying they don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that, but I, I do question right. um, what they're hearing in the gospel when they do say certain things. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Um, but yeah. Jared, you wanted to share some things that you're seeing on the on on the interwebs um, about this stuff, and and then we're going to talk a little bit about the looting that's going on currently um, and the the riots yeah. that are that are happening, and we'll we'll just go from there. Okay, sounds good. And uh, I know I'm a little choppy because I am coming to you, Bobby, from rural West Virginia. So if I cut out, I don't know, jump in. <laughs> Just cover for me like it's a live improv show or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can do that. So, yeah. Um, I will say what the reason I find these <clears throat> comments remarkable is that I didn't notice in the past, people in my own particular friend circle um, speaking out about this kind of violence. You know, back, um, you know Tra- Trayvon Martin was uh, by no means the, the first person, uh, you know, um, unjustly killed, an innocent person killed in that manner, um, and, and the killer excused. That's happened many, many, many times uh, in the history of this country. But keep going. But. Um, what I've noticed, though, is that people of, you know, all, all skin colors now are not letting it go, not tolerating, you know, these murders. Uh, and I've, I've just seen people speak out more. And it's just a sense that people are just really fed up in general. So uh, I'd like to read a, a couple of comments, uh, you know, by some people in, in my friend's circle, uh, the first two people. You know, I, the comments kind of speak for for themselves. Uh, two young people, uh, and um, then I have um, a friend from the military, and uh, he spoke about it. And this is unusual because, you know, mil- military people, um, you know, they're really asked not to jump in about politics online. You know, hmm. a lot of military people, while they're enlisted, kind of keep quiet because um, you don't want to be seen, you know, as you know. Uh, have, you don't want to be seen as politicizing things and, you know, 
you represent the military, right? It's kind of yeah. interesting that the military has these really high standards for how to present yourself in public, and sometimes <laughs> pastors don't. You know, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that's just that just happens sometimes. But I couldn't help but notice. All right, I have a friend. Uh, you know, I won't say his name, um, but he really speaks for himself. Uh, we're gonna say he's in his 20s, and uh, he's in graduate school. Uh, law school, actually, and he says, as a black man, it terrifies and outrages me to know that I live in a country where I can have my life taken from me at any moment for any reason that someone finds justifiable. This is not up for debate. This is not a conversation. His name is George Floyd, and he was murdered. And, you know, that's that's powerful, um, and I haven't seen a lot of things like that, but this is just one right after the other. Um, here's another one. This is a um, former student. Okay, we're just going to say he's a former student. Uh, now he's he's a uh, young adult, and he doesn't. He you know he is the kind of guy that just he's going about his daily life. You know, he is just out there um, doing his job, and you know, kind of like uh, George Wallace in Braveheart. He's like, if I if I could live at peace, I will. But he had to speak about this, and he posted some pictures, and he said it's heartbreaking that racism exists. It's even more heartbreaking that me and my brothers have to deal with it. I am calm, well-mannered, and respectful, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And and still have this prejudiced mindset against me and my brothers. We all bleed red. Come on, world. Wake up. And again, this is not somebody who normally says things like this. He doesn't try to get a rise out of people. You know, um, This is just him speaking from the heart. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's another one, and like I said, a you know military person, and this is this is unusual, and I'm not going to say how long he's been in or where he's stationed uh, or even what his rank is, but um, I'm going to say he's not a new military person. All right, he's in leadership. Okay, and this is unusual for him to say. He said, "I just watched this video. I just watched a man slowly be strangled to death. The whole time I'm watching this video, all I wanted to do was go push the cop off George Floyd's neck." You can feel the desperation in the bystander's voice as they tell cops to get off of his neck. It's such a helpless feeling. I'm pissed. This was not a life or death situation. This was a calm, cool, collected murder. This was an abuse of power. I appreciate all my police officer friends, and this should have never happened. Yeah. And again, that is a big thing for a military person to say um, because just about anything they might want to say, even something like this, which is clearly you know, right and wrong. You know, um, because there are cops involved, because there are questions about was this racially motivated, it feels to some people political. And so for a military person in leadership to speak out in that way, you know, that's big. And so I'm just noticing this. And this is the kind of talk that almost just has to be out there because uh, the silence, it, it, it doesn't pause it but it enables it and that's my point and i'm not congratulating these people i just want people who listen to our podcast to hear these voices in case i you know i don't know i don't know what your friend circle is like when when you're on social media you know if you have people that even you know express their opinions in this way um some people don't keep those kind of friends around but i do and i just want people to hear these these diverse voices yeah yeah i um i mean Obviously, like we had Eric Belcher and, and Ray Nelson on here, the last conversation. Um, I've had, you know, I'm watching many of my other friends who are just dealing with this, wrestling with this. Um, 
you know, I I watched this whole thing play out. I watched the I watched the video. Well, I watched most of the video. I couldn't handle watching all of it. Um, it was eight, yeah. eight minutes. You know what I mean? Eight minutes. Of, of, yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I don't watch the video because I'm I, I'm not on the jury, and I, I know this is terrible. And in some sense, we need we need to look at it. But there's a part of me that doesn't want to see somebody die if I don't have to. Right. Yeah. And um. And I think that I kind of I was at the point of saying like, you know, I, I watched the videos, and again, I couldn't watch all the way through, but I watched the videos because I want to see if there's more to the story than like what's actually just being said you know, in the caption. Yeah. Um, right. And so when I watched it, it was very clear that this officer had no intention of moving his, of moving his leg. Um, a friend of mine who was a police officer actually shared with or She shared her, her thoughts on it. She said, um, the neck is a no zone. Um, you don't put your knee there. You in, and once right. that police officer, um, heard, I can't breathe he should have moved his, it, it should have been an instant move. It shouldn't have been a question right. about it because he's been trained, um, you know, since, um, uh, well, man, my mind's blank. My mind always goes blank on all these important topics, but, um, the, the gentleman who was murdered, um, by police officers said, who said the same thing, I can't breathe. Um, yeah. you know, over six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was selling cigarettes or something like that, and it was illegal. But you know, so they took him down, and he said, "I can't breathe," and they still choked him out, and he he passed away. Um, he was murdered yeah. too, you know. And so to have two guys saying, this guy saying, "I can't breathe," George Floyd saying, "I can't breathe," that officer knew better. Um, and plus, yeah. all the bystanders around saying, "Stop it," um, you know. Tensions are high, man. Um, this is something that you're right. I think a lot of people are starting to realize, and I think there's a lot of white people who are starting to realize that maybe it's time for them to start fighting too. Because um, you know, we could see the videos and the in the footage or the the pictures of uh, white people walking arm in arm with their African American brothers and sisters. Uh, during the civil rights yeah. movement, you know, um, recognizing that that was their place and being called names for it. Um, and I think that yeah. we are in a current a current situation where this yeah, is... I like to point out lots of clergy, too, like priests, like white priests walking, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with black people in the, in the March on Washington. Yeah. And I think that, that this is where we're at now. I think that it it's got to come to that point where... Um, if you're really going to be trying to stand with, um, yeah. then, then you, then you need to truly be standing with, it's not going to be a, it, it can't just be a hashtag anymore. It can't just be a, 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 a little blip on your, on your Facebook status. It's got to be a legitimate yeah. saying I'm, I'm walking with my friends who are going through this and being willing to take the heat for it. Um, you know, it's the the reality of it is, is like this is this is what it's coming to the, the it's come to a head where now people have to start saying, what are you going to risk for this? Um, yeah. Jesus said and, and a lot of people, oh, think, go ahead. a lot of people are thinking like that's not going to do any good, you know, us little people. But that's actually what will do good is the grassroots change. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, Jesus said, 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say that Jesus said that you know, um, you know, no man knows uh, love and listen a friend than the guy who lay, man lays down his life for his friends, right? I mean, um, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things where you 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 clearly see in scripture that this is pointed out. Like, look, sacrificing yourself, being willing to lay yourself down, and being willing to lay yourself down doesn't necessarily mean that you have to die necessarily physically die. However, it might mean that you might die socially. <laughs> it might mean that you die, um, you know, familial. Like you might actually lose some family members because of your stance against this issue. Um, you know, yeah. raising your voice to say, no, this cannot happen anymore. And when people start throwing out, well, um, you know, well, if he would have just, if he would have just not resisted arrest, dude, stop. Well, statistically, which I've seen a lot of people post, statistically, white people die too. And, you know, statistically, it's less likely. And, I'm, and you know what? Like, like I said to you prior to this is that you can throw out statistics all you want at me. I don't care what stats, what numbers some person who works at some school tells you statistically this. No. I'm going to tell you stories. If I hear from, my, if I hear from my friends of color... Like we had Eric and Ray sharing. If I watch my friends of color sharing that this is their story, if I share my story with you about the fact that I was not taught to speak Spanish so that way I can fit in with my white white neighborhood, I was not. I had to dress a certain way. I had to be a certain way. I had to act a certain way. I had to speak a certain way. I had to fit in with my white culture my white city because the reality of it was is that if not because i already lived on the other side of the tracks i was already looked at as being poor and so i was already right. known as being poor and so if i became that poor mexican friend you know like that's kind of where it was so i had to become white sicken as i used to joke about it like i'm, I'm that's what i was yeah. I, I, like i had to be that i had to learn how to listen to white music i had to listen to, like i i like my grandma would listen to tito puente and and listen to you know um different kind of like music like that and i would listen i would love listening to that music with her but if i heard it outside yeah. if i heard it out in public i hate to admit it but i would make fun of it with my white friends because i wanted to fit in with them although i would say like in my house i loved it right yeah like because because the reality because what I've said before on the show and what I've said publicly is like we are like I'm kind of getting tired of allowing this whole thing of making people of different cultures different different races different ethnicities to um, accommodate your comfort because you don't know how to react to the culture because you don't know how to react to their race because you don't know how to react to to, to what they're saying or how they're because it's not comfortable to you all of a sudden you want yeah. them to change so that way they can fit in with what makes you comfortable. We saw that with the yeah. Super Bowl show. We've talked about that here too. The Super Bowl show was a sign of where people are in this in this nation. Is that when there was a Spanish speaking song, all of a sudden you see nothing but nonstop. See, the last time I checked, we lived in America. This should be an English speaking thing that occurs at the Super Bowl. The Super Bowls. You're right. And I'm like, what in the world? You're in Miami, Florida, yeah. right? Like this is where right. people like right. people of this ethnicity of of Spanish culture. Or yeah, it's like that's that's where we're that's where we're at, and it's like 
You're going to tell me that because we live in America, yeah. they should be doing an English-speaking Super Bowl halftime show. Forget that noise, dude. Shut that stuff down because that is what's ruining this society. That's what's bringing us to this point. Good book. Uh, uh, you know, nobody listens to the end of a sentence that starts with, a book you can read is. <laughs> but uh, but I went there. Uh, but what you, something you said just reminded me, you know, is what you were being asked to do. To fit in, you know, with, with like white culture, just because that's the majority and that's the only reason why, right? Because it's most of the people. So fit in with most of the people and you'll, you'll get by, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how the whole thing works. But a, a good book is uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist by uh, Ibram Kendi. Yeah. And, uh, you know, reading that book, I learned something. And there are just really two big categories of racism. And uh, one is segregationist. That's obvious, right? You're a segregationist. That's apartheid. That's segregation. That's like we want black people and white people to go to different schools, live in different neighborhoods, or have different churches. That's seg- you know that seems obvious to most people. That's racism, right? But the other category we we don't so much think about, and that's being an assimilationist. And I'm telling you, I I am a recovering assimilationist. There was a part of me as a white person growing up, Bobby, that I'm just like, if people come to America, they need to act like me. They need to start dressing like I didn't know I was I didn't know that meant white. I didn't know that, right? But I just thought get with like the American way, you know? Don't wear those kind of clothes. Wear the American clothes. Don't, hmm. you know, don't let me hear your accent or your your terrible uh, grammar, you know. Talk talk how I talk, right? Yeah. And I didn't know this, but I was being an assimilationist. And that's why when we would watch TV, you know, in in the eighties uh, we really liked a show like The Cosby Show. You know, it seems kind of weird to bring up Bill Cosby now, but Bill Cosby was very popular because his show really um, like illustrated what like an assimilated family looks like. You know, it was it was comfortable to us at home as, as white people. We're like, yeah, man, if everybody was like the Huxtables, we'd mm-hmm. all be getting along. But what I didn't understand was that they were. They were acting white like me, you know, not in every way, but just it, in a manner of speaking. And I think people understand what I'm talking about here, you know, mm-hmm. and um, that's what that's what you were being asked to do to, to fit in growing up. Hey, can I go back to when you were talking about people throwing statistics at you about like, well, you know, whites are murdered and oh, yeah. this and that. Yeah. Um, in this in this country where we videotape everything, if there were four cops choking out a, a white man there would be a video of that and that would be posted and i'm telling you that every sort of white supremacist person out there uh if they're in these situations where there would be like a murder uh caught on tape they would counter with these other tapes you know so mm-hmm. i'm a little skeptical that like it happens just as much to everyone else and only the uh, the media, you know, the left leaning media, uh, you know, promotes these sort of ones that are racially motivated. I don't believe that for a second. Though, if those videos were there, they would be surfacing. They'd be surfacing now. Yeah. You know, when I'm I'm looking up a term right now because there's something I saw somebody post about. Um, he made this joke. He's like, so what I'm. Um, I woke up, and what am I supposed to be virtue signaling today so I can go ahead and fit in? And I was like, 
what? Like, what? it frustrated me because I was like, wait, like I knew what virtue signaling was, and so, I, but I looked it up so I can make sure I read the definition for people who don't know what virtue signaling is. Okay. So virtue signaling. No. Okay. So virtue signaling is the popular modern habit of indicating that one has virtue merely by expressing disgust or favor for certain political ideas or cultural happenings. Feeling morally okay. superior, um, claim the moral high ground idiom, right? So it's a it's the yeah. idea like so basically because you are so disgusted by racism that you're gonna post about it and you know that oh my gosh i can't believe this is happening and then basically like look how look how morally right i am because i'm standing up for this issue and okay like okay the problem with this is that yes there are people who just jump on the bandwagon of of whatever seems to be the right thing to go ahead and fit in with right like that that is very right. true yep. it's always been that's something that people always do but what has happened with this now is that Instead of recognizing the people who are just jumping on the bandwagon, you're now blanketing everything saying virtue signaling as opposed to like – so you're watching now African-American people who are saying this is wrong. This is, this is something we deal with all the time and you're going to go and claim right. virtue signaling. No. Okay. Don't do that. If um, you're going to go ahead and tell me that um, – this is also the same person who also threw out statistics you know, who wanted to say like statistically – now, again, you can tell me all these things, but until you're willing to listen to stories, listen to the truth, listen to what's really happening, and until you can actually really show me proof, facts, evidence that what you're telling me in these little blips of statistics really tr is yeah. true, and then I don't want to hear it. Um, I had a friend of mine share with me like this happened in California to a homeless white guy. That he was um, that he was choked out, or he was killed by a police officer as well, and there was some outrage over that. And I said, and I said, look, the thing is, is that again, this is systemic issues, right? Because the reality right. of it is, it it wasn't just a white guy on the street. This was a homeless white guy. So now this is a, a title is put on this guy, homeless white guy. It wasn't a white guy like who was just walking down the street. This is a homeless guy. Right. So now instantly he's lesser because he's homeless. He's in that category yeah. of being lesser. And this is what happens with a lot of times this, this system is that they view a group of people as being lesser than. And now the, the thing about this, again, because we people are like, well, I want to wait for facts. Let's talk about that a little bit. People are always saying, I don't want to jump to conclusions here. we got to hear the facts. Again, let's hear the facts. The dude had a police officer on his back, on his neck, not on his shoulders, on his neck. Fact. Another fact. Yeah. Other bystanders are sitting there filming him saying, he can't breathe. Get your knee off of him. Let him go. He's not fighting. You have him handcuffed. Fact. Other police officers are standing around him, and when people tried to help, one police officer looked like he was about to pull out his pepper spray, or he might have actually pulled out his pepper spray. I can't remember that detail, but he's standing there, and he tries to block somebody from going to help. Fact. This is a very clear situation of these police officers were, mis were abusing their power and totally being way over-aggressive <laughs> um, with this gentleman. Yeah. 
killing him on the street. That's a fact. I don't need any other facts than that because it was it's clear the, the guy yeah. was not fighting. The guy was known for being a really good guy. He was a he was actually a security guard at a homeless shelter. Like people knew him. They called him I think they called him Big Floyd or Big Greg um like I think it was Big Floyd is what they called him. Like that was like a nickname or something yeah. like that. They um they they loved the guy. One of the people that like said that you know, hey, hope is coming. Don't worry, things are gonna be great. You know, it was like he was always uplifting. That's actually a report that was shared from from the shelter that he worked at. People recognized how good he was. Yeah, and this is all over. Like, this is this is another thing. <laughs> a, a bad check. This is over a bad check. It wasn't like yeah. he, he didn't rob a bank. He wasn't a he wasn't a, a, a um uh like a, basically an accused murderer. He wasn't someone who was a rapist. He didn't steal a car. He wrote a bad check, and so you're gonna have a cop putting his knee into your neck because you wrote a bad check. I'm sorry. I know people who've written bad checks before, and they've never been thrown on the ground and had the cop's knee put into his neck. Ever. Yeah, I actually, I actually have a story about a friend who. Uh... I've been in and out of prison for check fraud, and um, this person. Uh, now, <clears throat> try to picture this person. Okay, it's a true story. Uh, this had nothing to do with the check fraud. This was a, a separate incident with a policeman. Um, but she was on her way to hear a sermon by her then boss. Okay, her boss was speaking at a college that night, and she's like, "I gotta get." there to support my boss you know i'm gonna be in the audience and support him right kind of you know when your boss is your friend kind of thing right yeah so she's like i'm gonna be there so she's speeding to go hear the sermon her boss is a pastor <laughs> she gets pulled over by a policeman uh the policeman you know takes her id and all this stuff he goes to the car he's i guess he's running her license plate running her um you know running her driver's license you know as they do. Um, and she decides I'm going to be late to see my boss. She gets out of the car, walks back to the police car, knocks on his window, says, can we hurry this up? I have to go. My boss is preaching at the college. <laughs> what do you think happened to her? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm assuming nothing. I'm assuming he just let her go. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, and he laughed. He gave her back her driver's license, let her get in the car and drive away. And she, like nothing, she didn't even get a ticket or anything. He just kind of let it go. And she told this story at work, like proudly the next day. Like, I got out of this ticket and here's how I did it. <laughs> if she had do I mean do any of us believe I listen I didn't even know what I thought about the world then about race or about anything and I said you know what I said man you're lucky that you're a woman you're lucky you're white because if you know I can't believe I said this this was all the way back in about 2004 2005 this happened right mm -hmm. and I said because if you'd have been anything else even a man like me, I mean, you would have been on the ground, you know, 
Right. You'd have been getting handcuffed, walking back, knocking on the cop's window. It's just the fact that, you know, and, and here's the thing. That was probably a really nice cop. That is not anyone like somebody, you know, who, who arrested this gentleman, the um, you know, right. recently here. Isn't that, you know, because he, he's probably the majority of, of policemen. You know, he sees the situation. He understands it's not a threatening situation. And he just thought, this is silly, whatever. I ain't got time for this. You get to go. But there was a big part of me that thought, man, if she wasn't a little woman, she would have been hit or handcuffed or something, you know? Yeah. That's what I thought. So you tell me I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, um, anyway, yeah. not, not too long later, she did actually get arrested for check fraud. And that was sad. That was a separate incident though. So. Yeah. You know, I, um, and the thing is now it's like, again, you know, we see, and I, and I'm, I, I've seen the memes, right. Where you have the police officer with his knee on, on, uh, on Floyd. And then you, then you also see the meme of Kaepernick kneeling. Right. Um, and they say, yeah. if you don't, if you don't have a problem with this kind of kneeling or you've had a problem with this kneeling, but you don't have a problem with this kneeling, you have a problem. Um, yeah. or this is why, like, because this is why Kaepernick was kneeling because of this kind of brutality right. that's not supposed to occur from police with officers. The side by side pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, man, like this is, this is where it all kind of comes to a head, right? Because this is why Kaepernick was kneeling. Everybody wants to say he hated the flag. He did not hate the flag. He did not. Right. That's him. actually the way it was spun. I think if you ever listen to him talk, you know that that was a protest against like this type of police brutality. Yeah. But it was fun as if you kneel during the national anthem, it's against the veterans. Guess who's a veteran, Bobby? I am. Yours <laughs> truly. Yeah. And I not even the least bit offended by that. But you know, Kaepernick, he I don't know. It was a it was a crime against football because. He was making people think about uh, a real issue uh, right before something that's supposed to be fun, like a football game. And so yeah. people said, well, don't make football political. So he had a crime against football, and he uh, you know, he was speaking out um, to show that America isn't perfect. And for some people, that's unforgivable. Yeah. And, that, and that's where, you know, it, that's where the biggest problem is. But the reality is now we kind of come to what's happening right now in Minnesota over this situation, right? Is that there are riots happening. There are, there's looting occurring. There's people who are burning things. There's breaking into buildings. Now, again, this is not the first time this has happened. I I mean, there's the Watts riots. There's all those other things, but there's the LA riots that happened after the Rodney King verdict that came out. Right. Um, The LA riots and all that stuff, strangely absent from high school history books. Yeah. Which seemed like seemed like a huge deal to me when I, I was in about the eighth grade when all of that was happening. Seemed like it was pretty important. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, it was a pretty big deal. And I remember watching. Um, I can't. I want to say his name was Reginald Denny, but I I, I don't remember a hundred percent. For some reason, that's the name of my head, and I can be completely wrong. Yeah. But, but it, that was the truck driver. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was the truck driver. He was yeah. pulled out and beat up because you know he was a white truck driver in the middle of the um, L.A. riots during that time. Um, yeah. you know, and again, the riots occurred. Why? Because white police officers beat the junk out of Rodney King and they were let off. 
right? That was, I mean, they were just, it was, you know, whatever. Like, it, it was like nothing, nothing happened to them to the point of uh-huh. where, where people were, felt like, it, like there was validation, right? And, yeah. and so they, they responded with riots. Now, I was a kid, right? I was a kid when this happened, but I remember watching it on TV I remember watching it going, holy moly, this is happening right down the street from me, right? Like, I mean, it was about 45 minutes away from me. But at the same time, like, I mean, it was there, right? There were people who were, wow. I mean, it was, it was. I remember, like, lived so close to that. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Time. I mean, okay, let me, I'll clarify. 45 minutes if there's no traffic, okay? is an hour, hour and a half, yeah. hour and 45 minutes with traffic. But still, within that distance. There were people, it was unrest, people who were upset, people who felt like their voices weren't heard, and they brought to that point. Flash, fast forward to what we're at now. These people, you know, yeah, granted, I'm not, I'm not justifying burning things up. I'm not justifying yeah. throwing things through yeah, windows. Either one of us would say that this was right or appropriate, but it's, it's definitely an act of desperation. It's an act of desperation, but it's an act of having voices heard. When yeah. when we when we live in a nation where people who take a knee take a knee to the national anthem and people get so outrageously mad about it, a president who declares that this guy needs to be off the field, that a guy gets blackballed from the NFL, right? Like that it was yeah. pro- that has been proven that that there were emails that were basically sent around saying don't do this, and now you know he he basically got you know um, they settled out of court basically I think for that situation. Um, but, and then he finally got a, then he finally got some tryouts, but he really was like, ah, I don't really know if I really want to play anymore. I'm going to go ahead and do some stuff and, but it's whatever. That's a whole other thing. But the reality yeah. of it is though, is that he was in a position where he was trying to use his voice to make a change. Other football right. players were doing the exact same thing. We have watched many people take knees. We've watched, um, uh, is it Rapino? That's your name, right? Or the soccer player? Um, yeah. Soccer, yeah. She took a knee, right? We saw we saw other football players. We saw other athletes doing this. We saw movie stars doing this. We saw it's like people have acknowledged the fact that there was something going on, but like you said, that it, we're pointing out a weak spot or pointing out a bad spot of America, and it's like right. and it's like we can't acknowledge that maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe there's some maybe there's something wrong with the system. Maybe there's something wrong in, in, the, in the process. And so because of that, we attack. Well, now, because we've attacked, we've pushed down, we've oppressed, we've actually um, suppressed that, pro- that protesting. Um, we've said that we're not going to let people share, the word, um, share those thoughts. And if they do, then we're going to claim that they're anti-government, that they're anti-America. And we're going right. to make them feel bad or make them feel like they can't be um, accepted anymore. We're going to shun them. And so now, if your voice isn't being heard by these little protests, by the hashtags, by the comments, by the videos, so then what's next? The only thing that's next is going to bring you to this, this unrest of saying, if you won't hear my voice when I'm speaking calmly, if you won't hear my silence when I'm taking a knee, if you won't hear the hashtags, if you won't hear the videos, then guess what? we're rioting and now you'll hear us. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. And it's, and it is 
wrong. It's not what Jesus would do, but it is so important for us to understand like where that comes from. You know, uh, I would like to bring up um, something just because I've, I'm seeing people um, post it. You know, um, I, I'm seeing a lot of people. Uh, like I said, I have a pretty diverse uh, friend friend group. You know, and that that also includes people who. Um, you know, repost racist stuff, you know, <laughs> and I, I keep, I keep friends like that because, well, at the end of the day, we don't love people because of their political views. We don't love people because uh, of their goodness or their virtue. We don't love people because of their education. We don't love people because they're good looking. We just love them because we love them. They're in our lives, you know? Right. <laughs> so don't worry, everyone. Your friends aren't your friends because you're so awesome. They're just your friends. You know? <laughs> your friends because they like you and it's kind of unexplainable, right? Right. So I've got people who are otherwise lovely people, but um, I like to repost racist stuff, you know. And they keep today posting these sort of side by side memes like uh, this is a protest and it shows, you know, Martin Luther King uh, Jr. at the March on Washington. This is not, and it shows people looting Target, right? And uh, that's a meme going around. That's sort of a side-by-side. By the way, you know, you can kind of tell a person uh, is a little bit on the racist side because the only time they're going to post a picture of MLK is if they can use it to humiliate people, right? Right. To to humiliate people of color. Um, But um, the idea here is that it's like, look, see, and everybody knows, you know, about this police brutality, right? And um, this recent police brutality and this recent murder. Uh, and it's on everybody's mind when they post something like that. And I just want to tell you, it's like, this is where people live in favor of white supremacy, but don't understand that they're white supremacists, you know? Um, what I mean by that is a lot of people say, oh, no, 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 white supremacists, is like, they see that as an extreme person, like a person in Ku Klux Klan or a person who's something like a skinhead, you know, a person who's part of an organization. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the sort of everyday person who believes that, um, who believes that lie, you know, that whiteness is what is true Americanness, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that goes way back. And one of the persistent lies throughout history um, that has guided a lot of political situations deep into the 20th century and maybe now into the 21st century, but going all the way back hundreds of years is that uh, white people in America, this is the lie, Bobby, uh, is that white people in America need to be the ones in charge because they're uh, going to be the most sophisticated in the way they govern. And that people who are not white don't have the education or don't have the self-control and are therefore ungovernable. Hmm. That goes back into slavery. That goes back into anti-immigration. That's that's all that kind of stuff, right? right. That as long as the, the government is predominantly white, we're safer, right? And that that is a lie that it's in policies. It's in the way people talk. Um, it used to be blatant. Now it's a little bit, you know, people have learned to sort of, uh, dog whistle that, you know what I mean? But you can hear it if you're listening for it, right? Right. And with this looting that comes up, I got to say to people out there, listen to this. This is a, this is a self-check for you. If you saw people looting Target and there was a little part of you that said, see, see, that's what they're really like. 
you just found out you're a white supremacist. <laughs> and that that's a little gut check for everybody. If there's a part of you that goes, yeah, see, this is why you know we may, we need to make sure the president is white. And I'm telling, I have pastors. I have a I have two pastors in my life that were fed up at the idea that you know the 2016 election that Hillary Clinton was potentially going to be the next president. And they thought a woman now, we just had a black man and Mm. they actually posted on social media. How many, they each of them said it in his own way, in his own words. And I don't think they consulted before they did it. They just both had the same feeling. They said, how many, and this is the part I'm quoting. One of them said this quote, diversity presidents. Do we need to have, before we can just look past it all and get America back on track. And to him, this is not wow. to him that what he, he had no idea that that was racist or what he was actually saying and what he was saying. Wow. And read it again. You know, he's saying, listen, I feel better when the president is white. I feel better when Congress is white. I need them to be that because that's what I am, and that's what I'm comfortable with, you know. And there are people who, lots of people who feel that way, unfortunately. And that's just a that is just an undercurrent of white supremacy that people leave unchecked. You know, people think, man, as long as I'm not out there yelling racial slurs, as long as I'm not out there, you know, meeting with the Klan or something, that I am not racist. But I'm telling you, it's like if that's how people felt, like, man, we need to get an old white guy back in the white house. Cause that's what's normal. You know, <laughs> that was racist. You know, there are people who saw that target story today and said, see, told you. And there are even people that in their hearts think, see, uh, the police brutality is justified. Mm. Yeah. Because of this. Behavior. And mm. that's, <clears throat> that's out there. And that's ugly, and that's about one of the ugliest things I could talk about right now. I feel nervous talking about it because I know it hits a nerve with so many people. You know, I'm even a little afraid of what people will do if they stop and think about it. You know? Yeah, I think um, hmm, that makes me sad. It actually kind of gets me grossed out to be thinking about people who would think that. Um, you know. Again, this is what I had. I had a conversation with somebody on, on social media about this. Um, only because we're still social distancing, so I really can't have a conversation yeah. with a whole bunch of people up close. But <laughs> the reality of it is, is like I just said, hey, look, um, I don't justify what's happening. I empathize with what's happening. I put right. myself in – like we all need to start – this is what's missing a lot about – what. this is a lot of what's missing in our culture is the ability to empathize with each other. Ability to yeah. really think that maybe just because it doesn't happen to me, just because this isn't my narrative, that it doesn't mean that it's somebody else's. That in order for me to, to like in order for something to exist, I have to experience it. And if I don't experience it, or if I'm not the one doing it, then well, I then I don't I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. You can say it all you want, but all you're doing is creating a false narrative. All you're doing yeah. is creating separation. All you're doing is just painting a negative picture instead of saying, listen, I want to hear. Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you feel this way. I'm sorry that this man died. I'm sorry that this is going on. 
I'm sorry that you feel like you have to riot. I want to hear what's going on with you. And the thing yeah. is, if this is our if this is our stance, right? If this is our stance, then maybe we wouldn't be seeing riots like this. If if this is our stance from the very beginning, maybe we wouldn't see people getting aggressive. Maybe we would actually see people sitting around a table or sitting in a Zoom conversation nowadays right. and, and having an honest dialogue about where the pain is and how can we help address it? How can we help you're, change it? You're 100% right. And you know what? If those conversations had gone on 50 or 100 years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. It would, wouldn't even be a factor now, you know? Yeah. It would just be as far from our minds as anything. But, you know, that's what makes me speak out is like I'm just frustrated that this hasn't gone away. This should have been this should have been solved. It should have never happen in the first place, but if it was gonna happen, it should have been solved a long time ago. But it's just been generation after generation just handing down the lies of our racial caste system and people not listening to each other, people taking sides and just not not really listening to where it's coming from you know yeah and and you've already mentioned it too you and i both know that there are great police officers out there you and i both know that really the majority of police officers are actually really really great (laughs) they're they're really owning their role of protecting and serving like that's that's trustworthy and you know, I mean, I'm a teacher, and whenever I hear about a teacher, you know, just doing something reprehensible, I it, I feel like it brings us all down, you know? And mm-hmm. some of these police officers have to be like, you know, when they hear stuff like this, they go, oh, no, you know? Yeah. I mean, it hurts It hurts us all, you know? Well, I mean, it, it can be for any position. Youth pastors, when yeah. I was a youth pastor, every time I heard of a youth pastor who would be busted with sleeping or, or sending um, – or nasty text messages to, to teenage girls or, or, or even teenage wow. boys. And you're like, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Pastors who abuse their power and like manipulate females, like, you know, to watch, to watch well-known pastors dropping from their leadership roles because of this. And you're like, why? Because now it's painting the picture of all pastors are like this, or even all mega church pastors are like this. You know, it's like all these things get ruined because of these one, these this particular group that ends up messing stuff up, right? So we don't want to paint a picture that all police are bad. I do want to say though that is a there that the even the good police, even the good officers are in a corrupt system. They may not be corrupted themselves, but there is a corrupt right. system, and we you and I have talked about this. The system is set up to oppress people of color people of of a of lesser quote unquote value in society from the perspective of the system. Um which is why when you watch the you can watch the documentary um the thirteenth, right? Um it talks about the thirteenth amendment and it talks about how the the prison the the um the the was it the the gosh the um Basically, the, the prison pipeline, right? The pipeline of prison that they have. Yeah, yeah. That, that basically helps helps get the kids basically placed into prison, right? It's like we, right. They, yeah. the idea too, like um, when I worked with World Vision, one of the things that we, we were taught was um, during my youth development stuff is like it, they judge jail cell development 
on third grade reading level, right? If a certain yeah. at a certain grade, if you're not at a third, if you're not at a third grade reading level, then um, that's how many prison cells they have to create because that's most likely what's going to happen. And instead of addressing the reading level, they're just creating prison cells. Like wow, you that's know, crazy. Yeah, and so when and now granted, like you know, I'd have to I'd have to go back in my in my files and figure out where that statistics was. But that was one of the things that they shared is that when you have people who are at a certain reading level, you're only going to be able to get so far, and so most likely you're going to be ending up in the system. And now this is why they felt like, and this is where the, the statistics were pointing is that people in poverty, um, rural or urban, that most of them weren't getting the high-level education of city, right? That was kind of what they were showing. Yeah. And so now you see kids who were not being taught to read because their parents either didn't know how or they're being raised by grandparents who don't know how. And so yeah. in that... It's basically a system that's set up to take the lesser um, and get them out of um, America, basically, because they won't be productive. So let's put them in the system. And, and, And this is a sad deal, right? But it's just the reality. But until you are willing to accept the brokenness, then you're really not going to be able to make any change. Because, yeah, because and that's the problem with a lot of people is that they don't want to accept or listen to the brokenness because then that means that they have to be a part of the change and that's too much work. Yeah. You have to go and do something about it, uh, which is the hard thing, you know? Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people are just okay to get by in life and and not solve problems, you know, because it's not affecting them directly, you know? And and so again, so now I'm going to kind of take this and I'm going to, and I'm, I'm going to translate it to the church a little bit. Um, okay because from a pastoral perspective i think that this is where we start seeing this this come to life a little bit because when we see issues right that instead of trying to address them we shift what people end up doing is they go to another church that hopefully will go ahead and make them feel better right and then when they go to that other church they hope to maybe find what they were looking for from that other church and now what ends up going on though is that they aren't really addressing issues. They're just trying to shift, right? They're just trying to keep moving along until they find something good. But yeah. the problem is, is that they're not trying to address a, a brokenness, right, in themselves, right? Yeah. Because the brokenness in them is saying, I'm not satisfied. And so instead of trying to create change in where you aren't satisfied, you're going to go find something else to hopefully fill that void. Instead of addressing the brokenness in you, but the number two, no. but the number two thing is, if you see a brokenness in the church, in the system of the church, instead of trying to create change in that system or try to trying to um, to raise awareness of what could be shifted or what could be brought to the table, you yeah. run, you run. Why? Because number one, you don't want to rock the boat, right? And um, I just yeah. shared a quote from Lecrae. Um, he, he wrote. He has a song. And he says that, um, remember, just know that when you rock the boat, you better have a life raft um, because the thing yeah. is you'll be, kicked, you'll be kicked out. Like, and, and that's what a lot of people fear too. If I voice my opinion, then I'm going to be booted out of my social club, right? 
Um, and so now instead of, and and this is where me as a leader, right. I I look at it and I think to myself that I have to start figuring out ways to, if I don't already have this going on anyway, I have to figure out how do I create an atmosphere where people, if they see a change that needs to be made or a shift that needs to occur or something that needs to happen, how do they feel welcome enough? How do they feel open enough to come to me? And say, this is what I would like to see happen. This is what I would like to see change. And so the church has to be more aware of those things and listen to the voices of the people inside their inside their building. And when they do listen to those voices, things start to happen. Things start to shift. Things start to grow, develop, become better. But when they don't listen, when it becomes kind of their own group saying, no, we're going to figure out how to make this work. It's only going to be us. And then people yeah. start leaving and they're wondering, well, why are they leaving? What do we need to be doing? Well, it's a little bit too late. You should have been asking that from the beginning. You can't be waiting till the last minute when everybody starts leaving because you weren't listening to them. Yeah. So here we are watching these riots occur. Well, why are they rioting? If they would have just talked to them. Well, no. Like They've had the opportunity to talk to you. You've had the opportunity to talk to them. You just never took it. And so because of that, this is their response, Right. So, so we have to be willing to say we have to be able to look inside of ourselves. Where are we? Where are we struggling? Where are we broken? Where are we lacking? Where are we missing the opportunity to develop relationships with people in order to start addressing these issues in a different way um, and and helping them get to a better place. Well, for me. Um... I got nothing else to say. <laughs> you always bring it to a good point, Bobby, and I think we've um, we've kind of we've kind of arrived at a little something for today. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a recent uh, student. This this student's a college graduate here recently. I'm, I'm proud to say, but a former high school student of yeah. mine, and uh, she just reposted a meme, but it made me think of you. It said, and now hold on, it's going to sound like an insult at first. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work. Out. Okay, it says the silence of preachers in America against the killing of blacks is too loud. Mm. And I was going around, and I thought, yeah. And then I remembered, no, I I have a preacher friend who does speak out, <laughs> and I remembered Bobby. So there you go, I brought her around. So what? I, I gotta say that. Uh, let me quote a couple other people just to kind of say my last things here. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, one of my favorite writers, Christian writer, Shane Claiborne, um, on May 27th, his tweet was, I will definitely be kneeling every time I hear the national anthem in the foreseeable future. Mm. I know. And uh, then I'm basically just going to put this out there because it seems to really go with the times. This was posted about 13 hours ago uh, by your friend Ray, uh, who's been a guest on the podcast now twice. And it's a, it is a Bible verse. And I'm getting this Bible verse uh, from Ray. Always a lot of salt. And, you know, when they talk about let your conversation, Jesus said, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. Um, mm-hmm. I, because I just started following Ray on social media. And, boy, his conversation is full of salt yeah. uh, in the Christian way. But and this says, evil people do not know what justice is, but those who worship the Lord understand it well. Proverbs 28.5. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. Um, 
yeah, I think that that that's that's where we need to be. Um, we have to recognize that evil people um, won't recognize really won't recognize it right. And in the thing, uh, I know we're running out of time. I have so much to say on this, but yeah, the the, the reality of it is again. I said this last time we talked about this issue, which was two weeks ago. Um, we need to check ourselves, right? Like, where, yeah. where are we? Where are our motives at? Are our motives to only understand our our own our own comfort, right? Or are we willing to really step into the lives of our brothers and sisters? Um, because again, <laughs> always comes back to this. Jesus said. The second commandment, love your neighbor, yeah. you love yourself. And, yeah. and this is where the empathy piece for Christians has to be there. Because if we truly empathize with our brothers and sisters and we truly love them as we love ourselves, if we were feeling like we were being attacked, if we were feeling we were being oppressed, if we were feeling like we were being let down by someone, pushed down by someone, threatened yeah. by someone, or we didn't feel safe, we would want people to hear us. And yeah. so if that's the case, then start hearing them. Yeah. Start hearing them. Because that's yeah. the best way to demonstrate that you love your neighbors when you start listening to their story. Yeah. That's a that's it, man. I can't add anything to that. That's how we love our neighbor. Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, this has been a great conversation. A sad situation to bring about these kind of conversations but unfortunately this is just we're, we're the reality we're living in right now um right. and so all we can do is use this platform to keep speaking out on it and sharing um our perspective but also sharing biblical perspective and hopefully people are challenged encouraged um and uh, motivated to really dig more into scripture and see what jesus truly says about uh, speaking out on injustice like this um yeah. So yeah. So I appreciate uh, having these conversations with you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, hey. So thank you guys for listening to the Frankincense podcast. It's been it, this has been a great, great time. Um, if you enjoy what you're listening to, if you are really liking this podcast, uh, please rate it, share it, um, comment. Uh, because again, we would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Um, Jared and I would most likely do this whether or not you listened, but at the same time, it's great to know that we have people listening. So um, if you like what you're hearing and you think other people should get involved in the, in the, in the, in the discussion, uh, share it with them. Tell them about it because it's, uh, that's what we like to know. Um, so, yeah. so with that, uh, we are going to be signing off here. This is the Frankincense Podcast. I am Bobby. I'm Jared. We will be talking to you guys later. Bye.